do today. Um, good morning. I'm Rick. I think everybody knows my name by now. Rick Larson, Mrs. Jan's husband. Um, I always enjoy doing this, the, the homework of, of looking up hymns and the stories involved with them. So that's kind of how this all got started. So, but like I said, I'm going to try to focus on the cross today. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of reading, so if I don't give you good eye contact, I apologize ahead of time, because there's a lot, a lot of reading, and uh, I'm just going to give that a shot. So anyway, we're going to focus on that. Uh, let's pray real quick before we start. Uh, Heavenly Father, we're uh, thankful that we can gather together at a time like this, uh, on Sundays like this, Lord, that we can uh, gather as a body and worship and praise you, Lord. and. Uh, Lift our voices in song, as we'll be doing uh, throughout these few minutes, Lord. And we just thank you for this time. Thank you for working in me uh, that I might be able to do this. And, Lord, I pray that you'd bless this time, uh, bless the reading of your word, and uh, we'll be thanking you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm going to start out with, uh, with Scripture, uh, going to Mark chapter 8. You don't have to go there. Uh, it might take me a while to even find it, but uh, in Mark chapter 8, Mark 8, uh, we're going to be starting in verse 31, and uh, there we go. Uh, in, in my Bible, it's actually predict, uh, headlined, Jesus predicts his death. Uh, starting in 31, we'll read through 9-1. He, I'm going to read from the NIV Bible, by the way, so uh, it's going to be kind of more of a plain language uh, reading, but... Here we go. It's one of my favorite Bibles. I've had it for years. Uh, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man, I'll get up closer here, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory and the holy angels. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Amen. Amen. Let me work through a story here on number 403, uh, Near the Cross. Of course, I think this was written by Fanny Crosby. Oh, yes, one of our favorite hymn writers. The scripture that's hooked onto this one here is from John 19, 17. Uh, and he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the Place of a Skull, which is called, in Hebrew, Golgotha. Fanny Crosby was born in Putnam County, New York in 1820 and was blinded in infancy through the malpractice of a doctor. 
1835, she enrolled in a school for the blind in New York City, staying there 12 years, first as a student, then as a teacher. Her remarkable poetry brought widespread acclaim to the school, and she frequently recited her work for visiting dignitaries. In 1850, Fanny, who was 30 then, uh, attended a revival meeting at New York's 30th Street Methodist Church. Uh, during these services, she felt something was missing in her life. On two occasions during the meetings, she prayed with counselors, but without gaining assurance of a personal relationship with God. On November 20th, 1850, as the altar call was given, Fanny went forward and found Christ as her Savior. The congregation was singing Isaac Watts' great hymn about the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. I didn't quite get that tune right, but that's powerful stuff. Isaac Watts, a wonderful hymn writer. Shortly thereafter, Fanny turned her poetic skills to hymn writing, and many of her songs focused on the theme of the cross such as At the Cross, There's Room, uh, Blessed Cross, Room at the Cross, Save Me at the Cross, and this one, Jesus, Keep Me Near the Cross. It was composed after Cincinnati businessman William Dolan gave her a melody he had written. Fanny, listening to it, felt it, felt it said, Jesus, keep me near the cross, and she promptly wrote the words. Fanny Crosby wrote approximately 8,000 hymns. We aren't surprised then to discover that many of her later hymns are little more than rewritten versions of earlier ones. In 1893, she and Phoebe Knapp published a gospel song similar to Near the Cross. The 1893 hymn entitled Nearer the Cross said, Nearer the cross, my heart can say, I am coming nearer. Nearer the cross from day to day, I am coming nearer. Nearer the cross where Jesus died, nearer the fountain's crimson tide, nearer my Savior's wounded side, I am coming nearer, I am coming nearer. Amen. Well, let's sing number 403, Near the Cross, written by Fanny Crosby. Number 403. keep me near the cross there a precious fountain free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain in the cross in Oh. 
star sheds its beams around me in the cross in the cross be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the Seas before me, help me walk from day to day with its shadows o'er me in the cross. In the cross, be. seat um i may not we may not go through all the verses that might take us a while but uh it sure is fun so let me know if it's <laughs> getting a little long but uh we'll move on to some more scripture here talking about the cross again in luke chapter 23 uh luke 23 i'm going to be reading from verse 26 uh through verse 49 luke chapter 23 uh real quick yeah there we go, uh, verse 26 through 49. Uh, this is talking about the crucifixion of, of Jesus in verse 26 of Luke 23. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? 
Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. In verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. At the centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what, had, what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your word, Lord. All right, let's move on to another song. We're going to go to number 227, At the Cross. Uh, it, I noticed that this song actually had two titles, uh, one, uh, At the Cross, and then another one, Alas, and Did My Savior Bleed? So that's a huge one there for the, around the crucifixion. I'm going to uh, read first. My dear, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I Believe me here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Uh, I'm going to re- read a quick story about that song, um, like I warned you. Uh, in Galatians 6.14, uh, it says, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, after his graduation from college, Isaac Watts returned to Southampton, England, and spent two years writing hymns for Above Bar Congregational Church. He then moved to London to tutor children in a wealthy family of dissenters. While there, he joined Mark Lane Independent Chapel. Soon he was asked to be a teacher in the church, and in 1698, he was hired as associate pastor. Uh, There on his 24th birthday, he preached his first sermon. And in 1702, he became senior pastor of the church, a position he retained the rest of his life. He was a brilliant Bible student, and his sermons brought the church to life. In 1707, his hymns and spiritual songs was published. Uh, Isaac had written most of these hymns in Southampton while in late teens and early 20s. Included was a hymn now considered the finest hymn ever written in the English language. It was based on Galatians 6.14, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Originally, the first stanza said, When I survey the wondrous cross where the young prince of glory died, 
In an enlarged 1709 edition, Watts rewrote the lines to say, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and count contempt on all my pride. Also included in the 1707 hymn book was Heavenly Joy on Earth, better known today as Come We That Love the Lord, or We're Marching to Zion. Another hymn was Godly Sorrow Arising from the Sufferings of Christ, or better known as Alas, and Did My Savior Bleed. This hymn later played a major role in the conversion of a great American hymnist. In 1851, Fanny Crosby, 31, attended a revival service <laughs> at John Street Methodist Church in New York. After a prayer was offered, she recalled, they began to sing the grand old consecration song, Alas, and Did My Savior Bleed. And when they reached the third line of the fifth stanza, Here, Lord, I give myself away. My very soul was flooded with celestial light. How right that Watts should, long after his death, play a part in winning to Christ the author of a new generation of hymns and gospel songs. Let's sing number 227 at the cross. And, and Miss Jan's suggestion was that you don't have to stand if you don't want to, but I think it's more fun to stand when we sing hymns because it's, you know, it's kind of like, it, I was gonna not maybe not say this, but some of these hymns is just like reading through God's word, you know, and, and, but there's some extra writers now and they're putting music to it. And it's just exciting, so, as you can tell. Okay, go Miss Jan, <laughs> number 227. <laughs> For such a worm as I At the cross, at the cross Where I first saw the light And the burden of my heart rolled away It was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Was it for crimes that I have done he groaned upon the tree amazing pity grace unknown and love beyond degree at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in. When Christ the mighty maker died for men the creature's sin. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. 
it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day but drops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe dear Lord I give myself away tis all that I can do at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the way Woo, amen thank you Nehemiah <laughs> All right. Good singing, you guys. Well, moving on through the scriptures, uh, I think we actually just read the scripture in that last hymn story, uh, but uh, we're, I'm going to be turning to Galatians chapter 6, and uh, actually verse 14. I think, like I said, I think that was the one we just read, but God's word is always worth reading more than once. And... Uh, Yes, yep, the Apostle Paul's talking about the Christ in the last part of Galatians chapter 6. Verse 14, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Amen. We always get a excited, Miss Jan and I, when we're going through our devotionals, going through the New Testament, especially when the reading uh, the Apostle Paul's writing really exciting there um, so we're going to move right on to another song and so like I say if you guys want to stay seated that's cool uh, because we're going to do a, a few more here uh, we're going to sing number 227 or 267 excuse me uh, burdens are lifted at Calvary but uh, yeah if you want to stand up go for it I'm going to oh wait I'm not going to sing yet I'm going to I'm going to read I have my apology I'm getting this down here so uh, excuse yeah me and <laughs> this is actually done a little later than a lot of these we've read this was in 1952 uh, John Moore was a Scottish lad born in the tongue-twisting town of Kirkintilloch Dunbartonshire in 1925 that must be in Ireland or something Woo! he grew up under the tutelage of a godly mother and came to Christ at age 16 Soon he was volunteering for Sunday school work, open-air meetings, uh, tract distribution, and whatever else he could do for the Lord. As a young man, he attended the Evangelical Baptist Bible College in Glasgow, uh, then took a position as assistant superintendent of the Siemens Chapel in Glasgow, Scotland. That's where he found the inspiration for this song. One day in 1952, <clears throat> a very good year, he was asked to visit a young merchant seaman in critical <laughs> at Glasgow Hospital. Sorry. Uh, walking into the man's room, Moore was well received, and after chatting a few moments, reaching his hand into his case to draw out a gospel tract. It was a brochure based on John Bunyan's classic Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, the tract described how Pilgrim had trudged his way up Mount Calvary with a heavy burden on his back. When he knelt sincerely at the cross, the burden suddenly fell from his shoulders, rolled down the hill, and disappeared into the empty tomb. 
Mora told the sick man, Pilgrim's experience had been my experience too. The sailor, listening carefully, grew anxious and started weeping. He was deeply burdened for his sins. We prayed together, said Moore, and never shall I forget the smile of peace and assurance that lit up his face as he said that his burden was lifted. Later that evening, while by the fireside with pen and paper, John M. Moore scribbled down both the words and music to Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. <clears throat> Moore went on to serve in other churches and evangelistic centers in Scotland before accepting a call to pastor Willowdale Baptist Church in Willowdale, Ontario, Canada. During his career, he wrote over 150 hymns and choruses, but his most enduring song has been the simplest, Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. Okay, now let's sing 267. I apologize for my, uh, my stuff going here, uh, getting kind of... Oh, thank you. <laughs> Randy, you're, you're, you're great. Thank you so much for that. Excuse me a moment. <laughs> okay. Days are filled with sorrow and care. Hearts are lonely and drear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Calvary, Calvary. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Cast your Jesus is very near. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Calvary, Calvary. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Troubled soul. Savior can see every heartache and tear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very read a little bit more scripture here. This is taking a little longer than I thought, so I, I, bear with me here. I think we'll get her done. Um, uh, actually, 
in Philippians 2, that whole section there from like verse 5 all the way down through 11, it's just so powerful. But apparently verse 8 is one that really gets the authors going here. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And uh, ooh, i got to read the next three verses, too, if you don't mind. Uh, they're all underlined in my Bible for some reason. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, at that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Woo! Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read one more story, and I'm going to try to keep this shorter here. We're going to do the old rugged cross. Yes. Uh, number 554. My goodness, i got to do cut this down a little bit. Anyway, here's a quick story about that. Uh, the scripture is John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. <clears throat> George Beverly Shea recalls seeing George Bernard, the author of this hymn, many times at Winona Lake Bible Conference in Indiana. Uh, Though a preacher, a good one, he would sometimes sing, wrote Mr. Shea. His voice was not trained or out of the ordinary, but he had great feeling and expression and could really put over any hymn. I remember how I moved I was the first time I heard him sing his own The Old Rugged Cross. What a distinguished-looking man. Slight of build, short, with glasses. The most memorable thing about him was his long white hair. George Bernard was born in Youngstown, Ohio, shortly after the end of the Civil War. His father, a coal miner, moved the family to Iowa, and there George came to Christ through the ministry of the Salvation Army. He felt impressed to train for the ministry, but his plans were disrupted when his father's death left him responsible for his mother and sisters. Uh, he was 16 years old. Instead of theological school, he worked by day and devoted his spare time to books. Eventually, George's obligations lessened, and he was able to move to Chicago, marry, and begin in ministry with the Salvation Army. Later, he was ordained by the Methodist Episcopal Church and became a traveling evangelist. On one occasion, after a difficult season of ministry, George realized he needed to better understand the power of the cross of Christ. He later said, I was praying for a full understanding of the cross. I read and studied and prayed. The Christ, Christ of the cross became more than a symbol. It was like seeing John 3.16 leave the printed page, take form, and act out the meaning of redemption. While watching this scene with my mind's eye, the theme of the song came to me. It took several months for the words to formulate in his mind. As he preached through the Midwest, George would carry the words with him, working on them, polishing them, and sometimes singing them in his meetings. It always struck a chord with his audiences. At last, his hymn finished, George went to the home of his friends, Reverend and Mrs. L. O. Boswick, and sang it for them. After the last note, he looked at them and asked, will it do? The Boswicks were so moved that they helped pay the fees to have it printed, and soon it began appearing in hymn books across America. Of course, we're talking about the old rugged cross. Let's, uh, 
let's just sing the first two verses here. I almost hate to do that, unless you guys don't mind. We're running out of time here a little bit. But uh, let's go for it. I've got a little bit more to do. Sorry. Go for it. <coughs> suffering and shame and I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling someday for a crown yeah let's let's stop there and we'll move on to a, a little bit more here I'm gonna just do a little more scripture and uh, I had no idea that it was gonna take this long so uh, hang in there I'm gonna go to Colossians real quick Colossians chapter 2 uh, verses 13 to 15 uh, those are actually mostly underlined in my Bible here from days gone by, but something must have moved me there. Colossians chapter 2, and verses 13, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with this regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Amen. Amen. Let's, let me read a quick story here. Um, all right. We're going to be singing the, uh, I don't even have the title of it here. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Let's go real quick here. Uh, 1707 was the year. And uh, there's Galatians 6.14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been Christ crucified to me and I to the world. After Isaac Watts finished his college 
studies and returned home to Southampton, he wrote many of his now immortalized hymns for Above Bar Congregational Church. In 1696, Isaac, uh, 22, left home for London to become a tutor. All the while, he was feeling a clear tug toward ministry. On his 24th birthday, July 17, 1698, Isaac preached his first sermon. The following year, he became assistant pastor at London's Mark Lane Church. In March of 1700, Isaac received a long letter from his brother Enoch, urging him to publish the hymns he had written at Southampton. The letter said, Dear brother, in your last letter, you mentioned an inclination to oblige the world by showing it your hymns in print, and I heartily wish that you were something more than in inclinable thereunto. I am very confident whoever has the happiness of reading your poems, unless he either is sought or an atheist, will have a very favorable opinion of their author. There is a great need of a pen, vigorous and lively as yours, to quicken and revive the dying devotion of the age. Yours now is the old truth, stripped of its ragged ornaments, and appears, if we may say so, younger by ages in a new and fashionable dress. Isaac, however, hesitated. He had other obligations on his mind, on, on his time, excuse me. On March 8th, 1702, he became Mark Lane's pastor. <clears throat> the next year, 1703, the church Samuel, chose Samuel Price of Wales to assist Isaac due to the latter's fragile health. Under the preaching of these two, the old dying church revived. The building grew too small for the crowds and a new house of worship was built down the street. Finally, in 1707, Watts published his hymns, selling the copyright to a Mr. Lawrence, the publisher, for 10 pounds. This volume was an instant success. It was enlarged and republished in 1709. When I Survey the Wondrous Cross appeared in his 1707 book of hymns, and inspired by Galatians 6.14, it was originally titled, uh, titled Crucifixion to the World by the Cross of Christ. Many consider it the finest hymn in English church history, and Charles Wesley reportedly said he would rather have written it than all his own. Amen. Amen. Let's sing When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Uh, again, let's just go ahead and sing the first two verses because of our, uh, our time running out here. Um, let's go for it. Number 224, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died my richest gain I covered loss and poor contempt on all my pride Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. 
Amen. Amen. One quick scripture here, and I'm going to close this down. I hate to almost because I, I had a few more things, but uh, we'll be okay. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read those real quickly here, not too fast. Uh, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Amen. This has been really good, and I can't believe I'm actually running over. I thought this was going to be like I'd be done in 15 minutes, so I apologize. <clears throat> but I want to finish out. We're going to sing uh, number 16 at, to close our service out. But uh, I'd like to read one of Miss Jan's and my favorite doxologies, if I may, out of uh, the last two verses of Jude. Uh, many of you probably know it. There are so many great doxologies in God's word. But this is one of our favorites. Uh, Jude 24 and 25. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Oh, Heavenly Father, uh, we're so thankful for this time, Lord, and uh, I, I praise you for guiding us through this, this little journey through your word, uh, through the hymnal, if I might say, Lord, and we're just uh, thankful for that, Lord. Uh, I pray uh, you would bless our group, bless this body uh, as we uh, close out our service today, Lord, and we give the thanks to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.